we introduce you to the hottest global basketball podcast with overseas pro and co-founder of Swish Cultures, Jordan Richard, and four-year NBA vet and pro, Ray McCollum. Make sure you subscribe for a lot of new surprises. All right, so welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast. You know, I'm your host, Jordan Richard. We got my man, Ray McCollum, a.k.a. Ray Mack. You know, today we got a special guest, man, in the building, man. Shannon Shorter coming fresh off of a, a championship in, in uh, Japan. You know, thank you for joining us, bro. Man, I appreciate you for having me. It's been a minute since I last caught up with you. I think it's been about seven, eight years. So yes, I caught you when I was second year, two two years out of, uh, two years pro. So to see the 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 whirlwind trajectory the way you are now that's a blessing brother man it really is a blessing because it's crazy like that was my first year coming out overseas and you know i played against um shannon in uh israel and man dog he gave us some buckets i can't even lie to you bro uh, and he would talk about it too while he was doing it too so that's why you know there's a very few amount of players that you remember he's one of the players i remember so i've kind of like since we started i've always kind of followed your career you know when you went to Australia, you know, when you played in Greece and, you know, now when you just won your championship with Chiba Jets in Japan. Mm -hmm. So, man, it's good to see you, you know, uh, just do your thing, bro, and make it out the mud because you came out of the mud, bro, for real. Nah, it's, it's been a, yeah, it's been a journey for sure. A lot of people don't know before I got to Israel, I was in Mexico making $500 a month this season before, literally, and uh, just to be coming up on season 10, the beginning of this season, um, it's a blessing, and I don't take it for granted. I don't take it lightly. God's been good, and um, the journey I've been on, I don't think too many people uh, probably would have – a lot of people probably would have folded early, you know, just because of the minatorial that overseas life have on players. And I, I don't think a lot of people know, really realize the mental part of being overseas and being in these countries, being away from your families and being in some hole-in-the-wall type cities and just everything that come with that. It's a, uh, it's definitely a grind. Yep. No, nah, it's definitely a grind. And you know, what's crazy is that I told Ray, you know, that we got to get you on the show. Cause I knew that you came out to trenches, you know, and really had a good story to tell. I think this is going to be a big time episodes for listeners, but before we get into the story, we hear the accent in the background. We got to ask you the initiation question. Cali versus Houston. What's better in and out or Whataburger? It's not, uh, a, it's, not a, it's not a question, bro. <laughs> I'm going to say Whataburger. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a, crazy, it's not even, bro. It's not every, even debatable. Every person I asked from Houston, bro, would never go against Whataburger. It's like the weirdest thing that I've ever seen, bro. It's clear what the better pick is, but, you know, I asked every person this. I've asked De'Aaron Fox. I've asked Tristan, who came from Canada, who played in Texas. I've asked... Every person from Houston or, or Texas, I ask Alex Caruso, it's the same answer. So, yeah. So, but you know, let's 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 uh, right, get them get them started, man. With a, just you know a little bit of the history. First off, Shannon, thank you for saying Whataburger is not even debatable. I lived in Texas right. for five years, so I know what it is. But let, let's let's get right to it, man. You talk about you know getting out the mud. I think for you personally, it started in college. You know, you started off at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi mm -hmm. and then you mm -hmm. went to Paris Junior College. Now everybody knows about Paris Junior College, being a Texas kid, living out there, I know. And then, you know, finishing at North Texas. Like that's, that's three schools, you know what I mean? Like you talk about people folding in, in the pros. 
I yeah. mean, a lot of people wouldn't have made it through that that college grind you went on. Talk a little bit about that. Now I was depressed in college. It was a a very uh, troubling time for me because my my coach, my freshman year, pretty much released me. He pretty much told me at the end of the season, like, you know, we're going to go in a different direction. And it was basically kind of surprising to me because I thought we was having an end-of-year meeting talking about how we're going to be better for next season. I was locked in, ready and prepared. And he pretty much told me, now nah, we're going to go in a different direction. So it was kind of like a slap in the face because at the time of the, the exit meeting was like middle of the summer pretty much. And it was like, a lot of schools already then, you know, signed guys and made their decisions. So I thank God for my junior college coach, Ross Hart. He's uh, the associate head coach at, 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 at North Texas now. So it's crazy how that all trans how that all transitioned and um, came about. And we had a crazy squad at uh, Pears. Pears Junior College is one of the best junior college in the nation, I believe, for sure, because of just the history and just the championships they won. And uh, my teammates, it was me, Jonathan Simmons, Kenny Gabriel. We had this tough point go off in Philly. Yeah. We had we we had we had some, we had some killers for sure, and uh, we was number four in the nation. And that was probably some of the best time of my life as far as basketball and just growing as a player and just understanding uh, just the 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 independence of being a basketball player. Because I don't know if people realize when you go JUCO, it's more independent. You got to really do a lot of stuff on your own more so as far as when you go D1, you more catered to, you know what I mean? You got a tutor, you got, they, they give you free lunch, they give you free food, the rooms, et cetera, everything is basically handed to you. So once I left junior college and went to North Texas and met up with Johnny Jones, and I got a lot of love and respect for Johnny Jones in hindsight 2020, looking back on it, I say, okay, coach, you had a job and you had a family to feed, you had mouths to feed, so I can't fault you for the how you um, responded to the team in the way that you responded. So he used to tell me, um, like, real life, before games, like, if you shoot the ball, like, you're going to be on the bench. I just want you to play defense, rebound, and run the floor. It really messed with my mental mind space because it's like, dang, like, I'm looking over my shoulder, and I feel like that's the worst basketball player to be is when you're looking over your shoulder trying to figure out, okay, should I shoot this shot? Should I not shoot this shot? Should I make this play? Should I not make this play? You're not playing off instinct. So I was in a very low space coming in, in college and coming out of college, um, I really didn't have any kind of confidence in my game. And it was just a, a very long process to get to just my first opportunity in Mexico. Yeah, but before we get to Mexico, because I looked up the bio, you know, you came, <laughs> you had six points out of college. This is why I think mm -hmm. this is a great story for people to hear. You know, how did you find an opportunity overseas? And what is the Houston Blaze? I mean, are the Houston yeah. Flames? Yeah, what team is that, bro? Because I tried to do some more info on that. Is that the first mm -hmm. place you went to? Is that like an ABA type league? Like, what's that? It was more like a. So, okay, I'm gonna give you the whole rundown on it. So, I graduated college 2010, uh, like May. I didn't get my first opportunity till August of 2011, maybe 12. I can't remember, but I know it was like a year and a half before I got my first opportunity in Mexico. So for that year and a half, I was really like locked in the gym, and I'm and thank God I know John Lucas the way I know him. And he he used to train me and all that, and I worked out with my man Byron Smith. That's when I started working out with Chris Johnson. You know what I mean? I had a a few guys that really tapped in with me and believed in me in the sense to where they say, "Look, I know who you are. Like we got to get you back to the place that you was when you was coming out of high school, when you was just all state player. You know, I'm, you know all these accolades, whatever the case may be. But to get to that point." 
you got to put the work in and you got to be able to do, let it transition into, into like live action. Yeah. And if anybody know anything about Lucas, he like breed killers. Like he nice. throw you to the wolves and say, all right, you got to come back full, you know, and it <laughs> don't know? matter who you are. I'm in my first matchup in uh, Lucas. I had to match up with J.R. Smith. I'm 17. J.R. Smith, like 24, 25, four, five years into the league. And it was like an eye opener for me and said, okay, you got a lot to work on if you're trying to get to a, even just a pro level, not even just NBA. So um, for that year and a half, I was grinding three, four times a day. And um, it was it was very a very tumultuous time because my mom wasn't working and my brother wasn't working. And obviously I was broke. So after workouts, I would sleep in my car. And then I'd sleep in the gym just to make it to the next workout instead of going all the way home. Because, you know, gas at that time was like, I think like $2.85, $3 a gallon. So it's like, either you're going to do this or you're going to do this. It ain't no in-between. It ain't no, I'm going to go home and come back. It's no, it's none of that. It's, okay, pack this lunch, chill after this workout, sleep on this mat in the gym, go outside if you can't sleep in the gym, sleep in the car, eat your lunch, get ready for the next workout. That's how, that was my routine literally every day. And so I had a friend named Steve Walton. I know him because in middle school, I went to school with his brothers all the way through high school and et cetera. So he was like a OG type dude. And he was like, look, I'm taking a team to Mexico, travel team to Mexico. It can be an opportunity for you. This is a year and a half into the grind. Year and a half, this is the back end of it. So I'm just like, I'm thinking about it like, nah, bro, I'm cool. Like, I didn't got so many no's up until that point that I was just like, I'm not even trying to put myself in that position to get another no. You know what I mean? But then I had it like, you know, epiphany in a sense, I guess you can say. And I was just like, what you had to lose? Like, you sitting here at home, not taking this opportunity, you're going to be in the same situation you was in tomorrow. You take this opportunity, you don't know what's on the other side of the opportunity. So we go out there, we play uh, the team who just won the championship, Mexico, had 35 points, right? GM, they stopped the game. GM coming to me literally right at, like, walk on the court after the game. Take my information, was like, hey, I didn't have no agent, nothing. He was like, hey, um, you know, I know a few teams may be interested in you. What's your information? I give him my information. I don't think much of it. Three days later, he called me, was like, hey, I found a team for you. When can you leave? I was like, I could have left yesterday. What's up? And so he disappeared for like a week and then he reappeared and had like a ticket to Mexico for me. So when I get to Mexico, I, I signed with a team, $3,000 a month. That team trade me to the worst team in the league. The worst team in the league traded me to the team I eventually played for where I made $500 a month. But it was a blessing in the skies because, because, because the coach told me, he said, look, I don't have much money, but I'm going to give you this opportunity. And I feel like if you just get an opportunity, that's, that's the case for a lot of players like coming up. College, high school, pros. You just get that opportunity where the coach believes in you and say, okay, do what you do. The sky's the limit for you. Well, you don't have to look over your shoulder where you can just come down and just play the game you love to play. It's a different type of feeling. And I led the league in scoring, average 28. And then nine years later, I'm here. Bro, giving me chills with this story because, you know, I just remember playing against and then like getting the scouting report and then you were leading the league in scoring for Israel. You know, there's like a saying like that I heard when I first played is that either a dude is trying to survive for his family or he's trying to provide for his kids. And you could tell like who that person is. You, you played with a crazy chip on your shoulder. So I knew you were playing for something because it was just different mm -hmm. the way you played out there, bro. So now to hear your story and, to, you know, see you in Israel now makes sense to me, you know, like mm -hmm. the way you play, like 
know, you play with an edge to, you know, you play with a different kind of confidence and like, yo, you, you play with like more so like, yo, you're not going to take this meal off my plate. Like this is mm-hmm. mine. So dang, it's kind of really crazy, you know, hearing that, but talk about Mexico. Cause a lot of people don't know. I've heard a lot of stories, man, about Mexico, mm-hmm. the, the bus rides, 10 hour, 11 hours. And then like the police, like checking the bus, stopping you, pull it over. You got to talk a little bit about that, bro. Nah, Mexico, it, it, um, like, I feel like it make the hoods and the, the worst hoods in the United States. We talk about Crenshaw, we talk about Compton, we talk about Fifth Ward in Houston. We can go to the boroughs in Brooklyn, New York, wherever you want to go. The worst hood. It make look like, like, look like, uh, Beverly Hills, California. Right. And so we in Mexico and, and I remember, on, I was on a bus ride one night. I'm glad you said this. We on like an eight-hour bus ride, right? I'm knocked out in the back. Literally, like, I'm woken up to, like, flashlights. You know when a cop car pull up behind you oh. and they got the brightest light behind you so it's like you can see everything in you? That was the light in my in my eyes, right? Uh, AK-47s pointed at me, right? They asking for my passport. I'm like, bro, I don't got no... Because one thing, one of the first things I learned when I went to Mexico was if they ask for your passport, don't give it to them. That was the first thing I learned. I ain't asked no questions after that. I was just like, say less. Like, I won't get them my passport, right? So I'm literally woken up with an AK-47 in my face, flashing the light. It's like eight, eight quote-unquote cops, whoever you want to call them. I don't know what it is. We all hop out the bus. They search the bus. They look for money. And um, it was only three Americans on the team. It was me, my homie Kim Nowicki, and my homie uh, Royce Guy, right? And... We all just like, bro, I don't got nothing for you. We making $500. I said, bro, I don't got literally nothing for you. And um, them bus rides was different. And then just the living. Like, I came up in a twin bed, right? I came up in a two-bedroom, twin-bed apartment. My brothers, my siblings, and my mama. So I wasn't, it wasn't an adjustment to me. Like, it was just like, this basically at the crib. You feel me? So literally my first living arrangement was a dorm twin bed on east side with a roommate and that was pretty much it in Mexico. and i was so grateful because i'm just like look you didn't pray for a million dollars you didn't pray to get put in a position where you can make three hundred thousand dollars you just pray for opportunity now god is testing your faith to say okay do you really want to do this or are you finna fold because of something that's not has nothing to do with what you prayed about you see what i'm saying and so I was just exceedingly grateful for that opportunity and just to be able to just have some place to sleep, be comfortable. And like, I was very comfortable in Mexico. Like it was a very humbling experience, but at the same time I was like, bro, this ain't no different from you coming up in A-Leaf. Like it's basically the same thing that you went through when you was back at the crib. It's just a different scenery. Yeah, that's crazy. That's see, see, that's a different type of grind that not a lot of pro hoopers experience and not a lot of people could could you know could go through that and still hoop and and Mm -hmm. taking it back to that do you feel that Mexico has helped you with your pro career just the whole grind in general you go from that and then okay now you played in Israel you've been in Greece you've been in Japan you've been all over the place you've been in China like some of them countries some of them some cities you in compared to Mexico when you get there you probably like oh this is this is love this is nice Mm -hmm. even though even though some of your teammates probably in there complaining like talking about it's bad, the room, the living. Like, talk about that transition just from 
starting in Mexico, you know, to before we get to where you're at now, but just like even playing in Israel, Greece, like that, that that's gotta be, that's love. And men, mention how tough the league is in Mexico. There's a lot of pros, yeah. real good pros that play out there. Yeah, Right, absolutely. So like, I mean, I, I feel like if, if I had started anywhere else but Mexico, I don't think I would appreciate it as much as I do now. And I'm not saying I didn't appreciate it then because I had to appreciate it to go what I went through. You know what I'm saying? Go through what I went through. And so for me to start in Mexico, twin bed, travel 18-hour bus rides, $500 a month, you have a, a deeper appreciation for like what you're doing and really, really come to realize like, okay, is this what you really love to do? Because this kind of like the business side of basketball that people don't really talk about. You see what I'm saying? So for me to start Mexico and just to grow from that and then go to China's and go to the Israel's and Australia's and the Greece's and all over the country, that was just the blueprint for me to just say, okay, don't forget where you started. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Stuff's going to go on in the basketball world across the sea, across these waters that you can't control. But just remember, it could have been a lot worse. You feel what I'm saying? So when I was in Mexico, it was on some, like, I was exceedingly grateful. I'm telling, I'm sending my mama 350 a month. And I'm telling because she still wasn't working. My brother, they cut his hours at his job. He working like 14 hours a week. So it was, it was a very tumultuous time. And it just always reminded me that 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 no matter how how bad it is, it's always it's always some sense of joy you can find in the situation that you're in. So when I got to Greece, late payments, when I got to 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 uh, Turkey, it was late payments in Europe. You know how Europe go; they they pay you two, three months late. At sometimes, sometimes you don't even see you see one payment, you don't see another payment till the end of the season. And it's like, <laughs> how do you do that? But but me starting Mexico made me appreciate the game of basketball a hundred times more than if I had started in Australia or Greece or you know a Turkey or whatever the case may be. And um, so the appreciation, that's the biggest factor I can take from starting in Mexico rather than starting anywhere else. How was the respect, you know, uh, you know, coming from your agent in terms of other teams respecting like uh, you coming from Mexico? You know, I saw you went to the uh, La Union, you know, which is a tough part of Argentina too as well because I played in Obras mm -hmm. in Argentina first league like mm -hmm. you did. Um, how was it, you know, with, with the agent? What was he telling you about? teams looking and respecting the league that you came out of in Mexico? Well, I feel like people sleep on Mexico. Cause like oh. you, like we discussed earlier, it's, it's some like real life hoopers that yeah. come out of Mexico. Oh. It's just the, 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 um, the way the game is played in Mexico can like really turn you off. Cause it's basically like some glorified, like street ball, no front, like get yours, ISOs, keep it moving. You know, Europe move the ball. You're going to play defense. You're going to sit down. You're going to be physical. Well, Mexico is just basically like an open gym type run. Yep. It's basically the Drew League, the, the the Pro League in Houston. That's basically what it is, but we're better players, yep. right? And and um, so when I got to – so, oh, and secondly, like, I feel like your film don't lie. So when I, so when I met my agent – so the first four jobs of my career, I got on my own, Argentina. Uh, both times I was in Mexico when I went to Ecuador, that was all me. I didn't have no agent. It was uh -huh. just me putting in the work, coaches reaching out to me, asking me what you would take. And my whole mental mind state was like, look, I'm not going back to the crib. Like, <laughs> you've been at the crib long enough. Let's get to this, this money. You know what I mean? Let's do what we do. 
And so I didn't meet my agent till I got to Ecuador right before I went to Israel. He the one who got me to deal in Israel. Right. And his, his name is Robert Wilson. So, but I did have a, actually an agent did reach out to me in, for Argentina and he the one who set up that, that deal, but I wasn't signed to him or nothing. That was just a one-time type situation. And um, the first thing teams gonna look at is the numbers. Like you can be the best player in the world. You can, you can't, like as an American, you can't be like a type of player that's like a, a 8.5 rebound. So you just blacked um, out, just quick, bro. Okay, you good. Yeah. You can't be the type of player that's an 8.5 rebound, four assists. You know what I mean? Like you really got to showcase what you can do because that's the first thing they look at. Then they look at the film. It's not like they look at the film first, then look at your numbers. Now nah, they're looking at them numbers. Okay, his numbers are, you know, they they appealing. Then they watch the film, and the film ain't going to lie. So the, the guys was just telling me straight up, like, look, I can get you this opportunity here. I can get you this opportunity here. And then once you get there, you just got to produce. Argentina, a whole different type of league, because I feel like they don't look at Americans as, like, 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 like they them dudes type. They look okay. at Americans like, nah, you coming in to be a role player. We them dudes. We beat y'all in the Olympics. So screw you. <laughs> so it's a, it's a big adjustment going to Argentina for sure, but um, everywhere else has been a pleasure. Uh, you you telling the truth, bro. You know, Gabriel Deck, he just went to the league. He was there when I was there. Uh, Luca Villadoza was a young buck. I played with a lot, a lot of former NBA guys too that came from Argentina that, that were, you know, and that's, you telling the truth. I had that, that role too as myself. You know, I was a role player. I didn't come in. They mm -hmm. didn't want me to get buckets like that, but you know, with you talking about not having an agent, you just gave me a lot of flashbacks. Were people hitting you up on Facebook and uh, like for the jobs, or were they hitting you up? Oh, on absolutely. Website? Yes, sir. Facebook. Absolutely. Hey, Ray, you don't know nothing. Direct, direct message. Hey, I got a deal for you here for this X, Y, and Z, and you know it just it just flow like that. So you had that for about four years, all like that. No, nah, I had it for like a year and a half. Okay. So like okay. when I went from Mexico, I went straight to Argentina. Okay, okay, Argentina, okay. I, that was like a three-month lead because I went on the back end of the season. Then I went back to Mexico for the summer in the Cibacopa. Then I went to Ecuador, so it was all back-to-back. -back okay, back but those, those deals, you were ba those teams, those seasons, you were doing your own deals, though, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's tough. Mm -hmm. So he knows how to negotiate the con. You're your own agent. That's the best way to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I learned a lot at, the, at that point, for sure. Talk, talk to us about, like, working your way up through Europe, how does how does that work? Like you 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 started in Mexico, obviously, and you just keep leveling up each year by year. But your story was different because you was getting buckets, you was scoring the ball, you was you was doing things that, like you said, appeal to teams, and then they watch the mm -hmm. film. But as we know, you've been a bucket your whole career. Like how how hard is that to to work your way up to different leagues and levels throughout Europe for people who don't understand? So like once I left Israel, I went to Japan, and then I went to China. Right. So I, the only European experience I had was Israel. Right. So coming out of China, uh, the NBL or whatever. And I, I think that guy averaged some crazy numbers. Like we went to the playoffs, finished first team with the, that was the first team in the first time in the league, finished final four in the semifinals lost. So it was a crazy season and I did really well. So coming up out of China, teams wasn't looking, you know, how China looked at by European leagues. They like, Okay, your number's gonna be astronomical because y'all can shoot every shot y'all wanna shoot. You know, they're gonna come up with any kind of thing to say basically what you're doing ain't legit, you know? So from China, I went to Turkey, right? And Turkey, I feel like is NBA, Spain, Turkey, NBA, Turkey, Spain, however you wanna flip it. 
whatever the case may be, those are the top two European leagues in the world, I feel like. And from a lot of people's standpoint, those are the top two European leagues in the world. So going to Turkey, coming from China, where I was making 25 a month for the summer, going to Turkey, I was like, my agent, we was talking, he was like, look, like, you're going to have to take an astronomical pay cut, but it's going to put your name in a European market and in a big league in Europe to where uh, your name going to be established, in a sense. So I went from 25 a month to, to uh, four bands a month in Turkey, right? Went for the opportunity, right? I said, okay, I'll take this opportunity, whatever the case may be, see what I can get out of it. Led the league in scoring, and then after I did that, it um it just established my name just pretty much all over the world in a sense and to where I can go to any league without uh reservations now. So again, it just goes back to the opportunity. Like, what's your what's your end game? Are you just in this just to run it up? Okay, some dudes in the here to run it up for sure, for sure. And that's it absolutely gets your bread. And there's dudes in here that say, okay, I want to establish my name to where I'm very well respected and I can run it up at the same time. And that was my whole end game. Talk to us about Japan. That's one of the uh, one of the another big reason why I wanted you on the show because I played there in 2019. I was honestly sick that I didn't play there a lot earlier on in my career mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know Japan is a spot that's gonna come up and start taking over. They have good money. People are amazing there. You get great treatment. I always tell this story. I got my payment maybe a day late i got an apology text talking about like i'm so sorry that we're a day late i'm like shoot i'm used to my payments being two months late man and then like like, you know and that place is just amazing you know you coming in there a lot of guards when you first started there in hiroshima uh on the dragonflies they weren't bringing in a lot of guards now Mm -hmm. we're seeing a trend where they're coming back to bringing guards in now you just won a title with it. So can you talk about the, mm-hmm. that league and what it's starting to shape and turn into? From five years ago to now, that league has like drastically changed just from the standpoint of the fact that the Japanese players got a lot better. So now it's more of like a legit competitive league and the way they like publicize it in Japan and Asia to make it even more bigger and more broadened it out to like other countries and et cetera. Um, Japan, I, I, I've always said it was more so like a big man league because there's only a few teams that have like guards on the team. So if you're a big and you can play, that's a market that can, you can really like be very successful in, like very successful. And um, I really enjoyed my time in Japan. And then my coach in Hiroshima, he was my coach in Shiba, which I won a championship with this past season. So we already had a connection and um, – they just really serious about what they do and very professional how they go about it. We're going to have game film. We're going to have a, a film study. We're going to have scouting reports. We're going to have walkthroughs. Everything is very detailed and oriented to where it's like, if you fail, in a sense, it's pretty much on you because they give you every opportunity to be successful in that league. And um, I really enjoyed that league and I enjoyed all my teammates out there. And it was just a, a great season this year for sure. Second championship back-to-back, back, so I'm trying to just keep going. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, he kind of changing the game for, for Japan because – is that where Jordan Theodore, he's going to this league as well? Yeah. And, and, and like like you said, for me, I've always heard Japan being a big man league. You know what I mean? But now you see another guard. You got guys coming from Europe. You, I've been talking to some guys up in here, and they're looking for guards now. So 
it, you and, and, and very few others have kind of changed that narrative about it being a, just a big man league. I mean, do you feel mm-hmm. like you had, you had some, what of an impact on that? Yeah. I feel like me and um, Kevin Murphy, we was the, that was the only guard in the league with me five years ago. Kev. And um, um, this year it was probably like, I want to say like four or five guards in the league. So it's just a continued progression and just continuous uh, growth aspect because of the sets that me and him had and, just assess every guard in the league had this past season to where it brought in the um, GM and decision makers eyes in Japan to say, okay, I want to take a chance on this player. I want to take a chance on this player to uh, help my team win games. Man. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I just see, I just see like a, a change because of, you know, what COVID has done to Europe, you know, especially with the, with the money situation, you know, and, now I'm starting to hear more people talk about Asia and a lot of different spots. You know, you played in Australia too, another league that I think they have the best coverage in terms of like Europe and Japan and all those because like they got like ESPN, a lot of different coverages there, you know. You just talk about that too, like with Australia because you've seen pretty much everything mm-hmm. that you could have seen with Europe. You've seen it in Asia. You've seen it in Australia. Talk about that. Australia, probably the um, outside of um, Turkey, the best league I ever played in. And it's just from the sense of the broadcast, how they broadcast it, and just the competitiveness of the league. Aussies are like very competitive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people think that's a sweet league. And nah, like, you actually got to be like a legit type player to like even make it in that league. Because again, like going back to when I was in Argentina. Ozzy ain't looking at you like you just this dude that's going to come in, take off, be the focal point of the team, X, Y, and Z, like they do in Europe. Like, they feel like, nah, bro, I'm I'm just as elite as you. So you basically battling your teammates in practice for, like, for lack of a better word, some type of respect, just to respect you in the game. And it's like, once you get past that hurdle, you realize, like, how, like, great of a league that is and how much, how competitive it is and, um, that's a league that I definitely would, wouldn't mind going back to. I definitely owed him a championship. I lost in game seven. And, um, they, yeah, that league is, is yeah, I really enjoyed that league. The only thing is they, the money part. Like, it's only certain teams that can pay you a certain amount of dollars. And you'll get a good living, but it's not like, you know, like Europe where you can get millions and et cetera. All right, so last question before I give you the the me and uh, Ray give you the two hidden gem question. You you blacked out. Okay, there you go. All right, so talk about you know basketball in Houston. Oh, and also your mm-hmm. summers. Uh, Houston is funny. I always say this. Houston is honestly trying to take over California, especially with the mm-hmm. trainers. We got Lucas mm-hmm. down here, my man Chris Gatson. Shout out to him, man. He doing his thing. Agent of De'Aaron Fox was a trainer too. You know Mike Boogie yeah, down there. You know, Lucas, Luke, that's who Chris I train Johnson, with now. Mike Buck, my yeah, dog. Luke, my that's what I'm saying. <laughs> this world I've is. Been, I've been, with, I've been with him and Jay Craft for the last two and a half years, three years, three something. Yeah, so. th- those are my guys. Yeah. Those are that's who I met when when Swish was first started. You know, and in their come up, people really sleep on how many players come out of Houston. Right? You can you you can attest to that too. Oh, you know, how do you see how do you see Houston basketball shaping? You know now. You know, I think more people are going to start to realize how many people are coming out that way, out that way. Um, 
I think Houston one of the best markets to just come hoop in, train in, get everything you need to get out of the summer for basketball in. You know, Miami got their market, LA got their market, New York got their market, but I feel like Houston is a legit like market where you can really get better because of just the 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 nature of guys you're gonna run into in a in a gym and where you just can hoop and where you can just compete against guys and where you can really get better. And they're gonna push you too. It ain't no Hollywood type stuff, you know what I mean? It's all about, okay, can I get better today? I'm gonna make you get better. And that's why I love enjoying uh, training with Mike Bugs and Jay Crab because they focus on the details of the game and they really watch film and break down, okay, you wasn't as good this year in this area, you wasn't as good this year in this area. And they really try to implement that in their workouts to make you a better player. And um, um, the Houston scene, I'm taking Houston over everybody. I'm just, that is what it is for me. Uh, we got a we got a lot of heavy hitters over here in Cali, bro. I'm gonna I respect it. You got to I got no, I, I respect it. You got to say that. That if you don't say it, then you're not really a hometown dude. You know what I'm saying? Nah, hopefully, hopefully Ray don't say Michigan though, because if we do that, oh, gonna man, be a don't problem. Put me, don't put me on the spot, but Houston's <laughs> like that, bro. A sounds like that. I got a couple of homies, bro, that been in LA. They just made that transition back to the H. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Houston but, got some got some he- heavy hitters in the yeah, city for sure. sure. Yeah. That's going to put on, that's going to put on and take, uh, rep the city well. Sure. Well, Ray, start us off with a uh, hidden gems question. I always start it off. Oh, okay. All right. Let's see. I think one hidden gem. Talk to me about, you said you tapped in earlier about just for the young kids out here, never folding. Like how, mm-hmm. how, what, what kind of mindset do you have to have just to never fold it? To never fold. I think, I feel like people get consumed with how much time you have in a day. And you you really try to say, and just really look to the left and look to the right, right? And say, okay, I see this person doing this. I see this person doing this. And it's partially due to social media, how they uh, uh, make it more bigger than what it is as far as like putting the, the camera on these young kids at a young age and et cetera. But one thing I can say is just manage your focus. And when I say manage your focus, when you can manage your focus, you can manage your time, right? And by managing your focus, you stand basically in tunnel vision, telling yourself, okay, if this is the goal I want to uh, accomplish, what steps do I need to take to get to this goal, right? And I got a young boy who I'm kind of mentoring. I've been telling him the same thing, like, okay, you telling me you want to go to D1, play D1 basketball as a young kid, and you want to be in that, in that, in that um, atmosphere and playing on the high level of uh, college basketball, and et cetera. But what you doing right now? You playing video games, uh, uh, you on your cell phone, it's four, five hours. And I'm not saying you can't do that, but what's the priority? And if, if, if this is the priority, you got to get yourself a routine. Because when you're on a routine, when you're on a strict regimen, it ain't nothing that can, that can, that can get you off that regimen because, okay, the goal is to get from A to B. And if I'm trying to get to B, I know I got to accomplish this at this time, this at this time, this at this time. And sometimes it may not end the way you want it to end, but at the end of the day, it's going to build character in you that's going to shape you for future endeavors that you don't see coming. And so um, that's what I mean when I say never fold is just, and I got that line from Nipsey Hussle when he said, I never fold under mental pressure. I'm just special. You know, and he said that and I don't stress out. And because, and I, I really related to that because it's like, it's a lot of stuff being brought upon people's shoulders and they got to really carry a lot of burden. But when you sit still and just just be quiet and just let things manifest and just keep a a, a, a optimistic mind frame, you can get to 
get to the places you need to get to. Jay, that was that was a serious hidden gem right there. That was a hidden gem, bro, for real, man. Man, rest in peace, Nip. Shout out Nip, man. I, when he passed, I was in Japan. That hit me hard, bro. I was playing blue laces in, in the locker room. OD, I was always playing Nip, so I was sick, bro. <laughs> I was I, sick, I was man. in a... I was in um South Korea when he died, when he got popped. I was like in the in the finals. I was like, what? Like not new. Yeah, that hit me. That hit me hard too, for sure. Yep. Last hidden gym question. For a player, right? I'm a senior. I, I come out. You know, I, I don't have the year that I want to have. You know, I don't. You know, I I kind of. I'm kind of a disappointment in terms of like the year that I had, you know, what advice can you give a player that goes through that? You know, they don't have the year that they expected. How is a way that they can get overseas and do it the legit way? You know, cause there's a lot of times people steer people in the wrong direction. Tell them mm -hmm. to go here. What way do you feel like they can go to, to reach the success that you've reached? You know, cause you've been there, done that. First thing first, I'll tell you, take a, ownership and accountability that you, it ain't the coach's fault. You feel what I'm saying? It's not nobody's fault, but your fault. No matter how it may, how everything may have occurred or how everything may have transitioned, uh, the coach may have pulled you from games as that in the third. I don't know what it is, but you take accountability and say, look, I didn't do this. This was my goal. I didn't do this. And once you can do that, that's where the growth occurs. Once you take accountability and you take ownership for your actions and say, okay, um, I could have been better in this area, I could have been better in this area, then you can shift your perspective and say, okay, now what can I do so that don't happen to me? And then that's when you put your head down and say, okay, I'm going to control what's in my control. I'm going to knock out these workouts. I'm going to get the right people around me that's going to hold me accountable and not just be yes men. And, and once you do that, once you put out that good, that, 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 um, 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 that, good, that good seed into the world where you just constantly putting out positive energy and constantly putting out all this this uh positivity to, to push you forward as far as workouts as far as putting your head down as far as having the right people around you as far as uh doing everything in your control that you can do to get to overseas then god's gonna put something in your life that 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 you don't see coming for me it was my homie steve walton i didn't see that opportunity coming at all he called me one night 12 a.m was like shan I got this opportunity in Mexico. I want you to come down to Mexico with me. We drove across the border eight hours and I hot, hot uh, minivan cooped up. I said, they're good. And so once you constantly, now you, it's going to take some patience for sure. It may not happen overnight, but you got to be, you got to have a mental fortitude to say, I'm going to keep going regardless of what's in front of me, what I see in front of me, how uncomfortable it may get, because I know the end goal for me is to go get this contract overseas. And if this is ultimately the end goal, I need to put the work in. I need to put the effort in to accomplish that. Fire. Bro, I appreciate you, man. I hope everyone, you know, can see, man, that there's hope, one, two, and then make connections while you wherever you are, you know, overseas. Like, you know, I played against Shannon, what, eight years ago? And we still making the connection now. Like when you guys go to different spots, you don't gotta look at the people like they enemies, man. Straight up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's war zone when we play in between them lines, but ultimately, man, make a connection. Uh, that's one of the biggest things I could say after starting Swish. Like, never know what a person could turn into, what a player can turn into, what kind of connection you guys have. And there's always someone that knows someone 
You know, mm-hmm. Chris Johnson, uh, Chris Gadsden, Mike, all them dudes I met when I started Switch, and they have a connection with you. Same with Ray. Mm-hmm. Drew has a connection with him. Like, that's all. That's one of the last gems I can give, you know, for you guys and something that I'm going to preach all the time. Make that connection. Oh, and I, I thank you. Really, thank you. Your story is really dope, bro. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. a lot of people, I had no idea. I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't have, have that idea of what you've been through. But now people start seeing that, have hope. Or the story mm-hmm. of you being in your car, like that shows how hungry you are, man, for this game. And that's, that's stories I love. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you, brother. I mean, I just, especially for my neighborhood, just try to inspire the youth you know, and just be a light to them and just uplift them with uh, any words of encouragement. I'm in the field, so I'm out there. I'm outside with them, and I'm not no Hollywood dude. I'm always trying to uh, just push the envelope forward and uh, shine a light on this world. No, you're doing that, bro. Keep it going, for real. I appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. I appreciate you.